Hello, and welcome to Wicked Wednesdays, your weekly podcast on sex and sexuality, with an emphasis on BDSM kink and poly relationships. I'm your host, Wicked Fellow, and I'm coming to you from our new studio. I have things all set up now. I do not have the soundproofing installed, so there may be a bit of furnace rumble and a bit more noise than there will be in a month or so once I have time to build walls, build a door, do all the soundproofing necessary to turn this space into a fully functioning studio. However, I am here. I have finally finished my move, and it was extremely difficult and took a lot longer than I thought it was going to. I know that I have not been consistent with podcasts or getting correspondence out. I will get back on track with all of that. I do have my office set up in my editing suite, so that's good. Most of my life is still in boxes. However, splitting this move in two parts allowed me to unpack some, get settled, and then go back for the second leg of the move. I have a cabinet shop, and it's a very heavy move, a lot of heavy equipment, a lot of lumber, etc. So that came just recently. I pulled the truck up, I guess, four days ago, unpacked in a snowstorm in seven-degree weather. So that was fun. Welcome to Detroit, as it were. It's currently supposed to get about 20 inches, so we'll see. This is the upper Midwest, so they can handle snow quite a bit better than Virginia did, because not only did I have snow waiting for me in Detroit, but we had an 8-inch snowstorm in Virginia where it never snows. So I had a great deal of difficulty on both sides of this last move, and it was about all I could do to keep moving. However, here I am, and I wanted to send a very special thank you to all the people who reached out during the move, sending words of encouragement. That really does help. The connection that I have with you guys as fans, it's very meaningful to me, and I care about the people that have reached out to me and shared their stories with me, that have asked for advice, or just sent words of encouragement. I really appreciate that. I like the community that is starting to form around this podcast and around the interaction I have with the fans. I'm hoping that's something that we can continue more, perhaps have some more, you know, fan to fan engagement. You know, perhaps we could do some watch along movies or have some Q and A's in a group type session. I think that might be fun. I have all kinds of fun things planned for the new year, continuing the podcast with new guests, new topics, continuing the BDSM 101 series, all that good stuff is coming. So those of you that have stuck with me through this move, you guys are the best and I really appreciate it. I'm going to get back to this standard weekly podcast that you guys have enjoyed and it's all thanks to you. You know, your support, your engagement with me gives me the motivation that I need to get out there and get it done. And as always, I want to send a very special thank you to my Patreon followers. Our new followers this week are Sadie, Perry, Jane, Kat, and Elle. I have some more that I think I've missed during the move, so I'm going to make sure that I've read everybody's name. And I'm going to start including them at the end of the YouTube videos in a credit scroll. My Patreon followers, I know that I haven't been engaged on that platform or putting out anything. It's all about this move. Now that I'm here, you're going to start seeing that content come back out. So thank you very much for sticking with it. If you would like to become a Patreon subscriber, head over to our website, www.wickedfellow.com. The link to our Patreon is there, as well as all of our other links. The podcast is hosted there. Our YouTube channel can be found there. 
Our adult sites can be found there, of course. And it's the one place you can find all of our contact information, anything you need to know about the studio. So yeah, I am now officially a resident here and I'm looking forward to all the new opportunities that this new location, the new city is going to give to the studio, to the podcast, and just my life in general. I think things will be good for me here. The last two years have been a bit rocky in places. The porn site shutting down, that was a big blow. However, some interpersonal stuff that I've had to go through, like we all do. And this is kind of a fresh start for me. And I'm looking forward to this chapter. I'm looking forward to new content creation new endeavors, really branching out and diversifying the studio, bringing in some new talent, for example. All that's coming in the new year. I am dealing with some minor health issues at the moment. I need to have a surgery to have a hernia repaired. And I wanted to wait until after the move to do that because it's going to lay me up for a few months. I won't be able to do any heavy lifting, for example, like a move. So I had to get that out of the way in order to have the surgery so it can be successful and I can heal properly. I don't know when that's going to be scheduled. It shouldn't affect the podcast that much because it is a day in and day out surgery. I will be home immediately afterwards, recovered and ready for the next week. And it's something I can do sitting down. I will have a lot more time to do editing and content creation as I won't really be able to do much else. But that's the price we pay for getting older, I guess. This week, I'm going to divide the episode into two parts. The first part I want to talk about being a dom and bringing on someone new. And then I'm going to use the second part of the podcast to post that Q&A that we recorded while I was in Utah. I wasn't able to edit that during the move. The timeline of that move got shifted right in the middle of everything. And the time I thought I was going to be in Virginia for a couple weeks ended up being one week and then I came right back. So I threw a wrench in my timeline. Not a big deal, but I wasn't able to produce any content during that time. It's a really fun Q&A. I think you guys will enjoy it. I don't have video for that, so it'll just be an audio portion. For you podcast listeners, of course, it won't make any difference. Tonight, I had one of my Patreon calls where subscribers at a certain level can call me and have a one-on-one -on -one conversation. And I've really enjoyed those. And it's given me a lot of insight into you guys as fans, at least a few of you. But some of the questions and things that we talk about, I feel are probably representative of a larger group of you. And something that was brought up was someone starting with a new dom and getting experience and learning what they want. And they had a lot of questions about, you know, how to begin that BDSM relationship, which I know that we've talked about in previous episodes. This is more for the dom side, which is if you're an experienced dom and you're bringing on a new submissive and not just new to you, but someone that is new to the scene, there's a special level of responsibility I feel you have to make sure you're moving at their pace. Now, of course, my philosophy on being a dom is very sub-focused. It's very much meeting the needs of the sub, fulfilling the expectations of the sub. It's not just about what you get out of being a dom. And people frequently ask me that, you know, why do you dom? What do you get out of being a dom? What's in it for the dom? That's going to vary from person to person, of course. For me, it's very much the satisfaction of being a mentor, helping people achieve their life goals, being in a fulfilling relationship with a sub, and seeing them grow in that relationship. So for me, the approach I would take with a brand new sub isn't that much different than someone that's been in the scene their whole life, 
I'm still very focused on what they need, where they're at, and bringing them along at a pace that is quick enough to keep them interested, of course, but not so fast that they get in over their head or they end up doing things that they're not ready for too much too soon. So the advice I would have for a dom bringing on a new sub is have those conversations. See what their expectations are. Now, of course, if they're brand new to the scene, they may not know. They may not have any idea as to what it is they want to do. They don't know what they're into. They may just have this urge, this need, this desire to be submissive to somebody that they trust. That, of course, is the very heart and soul of a power dynamic DS relationship. The kind of relationship that I find most fulfilling in DS play. It may be that they're just into it for a little kinky fun. So you have to balance that. You know, what you want out of the relationship as the Dom, I feel, has to take a back seat, especially with a brand new sub. Someone that doesn't know the ropes. Someone that doesn't know how to play. Someone that doesn't know the protocols. Someone that doesn't understand the dynamics of a DS power exchange relationship. So especially at the beginning, it's incumbent upon the Dom to go slow, to communicate a lot. It would be very wrong-headed to take a brand new sub and throw them right into the middle of a hard DS relationship. I think it would be very confusing and there'd be a lot of not fun fear. You know, sometimes we play on fear in DS because of the excitement that it instills in somebody and that's perfectly fine with someone that's experienced, that knows what they're looking for, that is seeking that kind of thrill. For someone just getting into it, it may be way too much. So bringing them along slowly, doing some sessions that are all about command and control, clothes on. I want you to do this thing and I want you to do it this way. For this hour, I'm gonna give you commands and I want you to follow them and lead them through that in a very basic, easy, relaxed manner. Just to give them an idea of what that power dynamic is like. See what they enjoy. Now that is more focused on someone that's looking for a DS relationship, as in an ongoing, we're gonna see each other a couple times a week relationship. You may have someone that is just interested in having some kinky bedroom time, which is perfectly fine but you still need to have the same precautions with them at the very beginning. Explain to them what the limits are going to be so they have an idea of what they're getting into. Tonight, we're gonna to use blindfolds and we're gonna use handcuffs, but we're not gonna use any impact play and we're not going to use any breath play or any other sort of more extreme types of kink. And of course, you have to stick to that. Now, perhaps if things go along well and they're really enjoying it, you might be able to progress with their consent and with their understanding of what's going to be happening. And with a brand new person, you know, everything is exciting. Everything is fresh. Everything has a higher thrill level than someone that may have been handcuffed two dozen times. They've, they've done that. They understand what that's all about. The first time you're placed in restraints, there's a lot more sensation. There's a lot more going on for them just being blindfolded perhaps. Maybe they've never done that before. And just having the blindfold on is a completely new experience. It's kind of scary. They can't always tell what's going on. You get my drift on that.
So at the beginning, go slow. Take it easy with them. Be very attuned to how they're experiencing things. Does it seem like they're enjoying it? If not, back off, find out what's going on. For the first time player, you know, even the lightest bit of restraint, even the lightest bit of blindfolding or even strong commands can quickly become overwhelming. So in that first few sessions, especially, there's nothing wrong with going slow and making sure that they're comfortable. On the sub side, you know, getting into it, if you don't know what you want, if you don't know if you're into rope play or you're into impact play or all those things, give your dom some understanding of where your boundaries are right now. They don't have to be boundaries for the rest of your relationship. Let them know how far you want to go and what you're not willing to do. So for example, if you don't want to have sex, make that clear. You know, say, I don't want to have sex yet. I want to do some tying and I want to do some blindfold and I want to do some command play, but I'm not ready to involve sex. And make sure that they're the kind of person that will respect those boundaries. Because again, when we're talking about restraints and blindfolds and all that kind of thing, that can quickly feel like you're out of control and that can make you feel very vulnerable in a bad way. And that fear and anxiety can build very quickly, especially for first timers. I want you to remember that there is nothing wrong with using your safe word, stopping the scene if you're uncomfortable. It's so much better to stop a scene, reassess, you know, stop the whole thing if you have to, then go too far and have deep regrets and bad feelings the next day. And that's not good for you. It's not good for the Dom in the situation. So that open communication, especially at first, if you feel like the Dom that you're working with is coming on way too strong and being too domineering, giving you too many rules, holding you accountable for things that you have not been instructed on or that you're not comfortable with, try communicating, try explaining to them that this isn't what you're looking for, that this isn't making you comfortable and that you don't want to do this. Try that communication. They just may not quite get you yet. But if communication doesn't work, it's time to leave that. It's time to leave that situation. That's not the right Dom for you. There's always other Doms. There's someone that you will find to work with you where you're at. I'm always a little cautious with new people coming into the scene because they may not see the warning signs of a bad relationship. They may not see the warning signs of someone who isn't looking out for them, who isn't interested in making sure they're safe, who isn't interested in making sure that they have full consent and understand what that consent means. So I'm always giving a lot more caution to the new players, the people that haven't done this before, to make sure that they are safe. We've talked about having a safety call, and that is something that I really think, no matter where you are in the scene, no matter how long you've been playing, especially when you're playing with a new partner, letting somebody know where you are letting them know when they should be expecting to hear from you. And that can be, you know, your date starts at seven, you agree to check in at 10 or 11. Just give them a call and say, everything's fine. I'm doing okay. I'm having a good time. And they know that if they don't hear from you, they should try to reach out to you because this is the modern era. And we meet people that we've never had any connection with before. We go on a date, we go back to their place. And if something bad happens, Nobody knows where you are. Nobody knows to send help. And that could be dangerous. Now, that's not just a kink thing. That's a general dating thing. 
I think that safety call and making sure that a trusted friend knows where you're at and what you're doing is just a good idea when you're starting a relationship with somebody. You know, three months in, once you're comfortable and you feel like you can trust this person and they've shown you that they are trustworthy, yeah, you probably don't need to be calling your friend Jane every night to let her know you're okay. But in the beginning, I think it's crucial. I think that it should be a hard and fast rule. Those first few dates, a safety call, letting them know where you're at, making sure that somebody is watching out for you. You know, I've said many times, we all start somewhere. None of us come into this world knowing exactly how to play. And because there are so many different types of play, every dom-sub relationship is unique and different and special. What's good for one couple may absolutely not work for you. And what you've done with other people may not feel right with this new person. So do not hesitate to communicate. Do not hesitate to remove yourself from a situation that doesn't feel right. There's no hurry. Again, I want this to be fun for everybody. I want this to be safe for everybody. And playing BDSM and kink and this whole DS lifestyle can be so fun and so fulfilling and hugely enjoyable and rich. You just have to be careful, just like you would in any relationship. I know that a lot of my fans are also fans of murder podcasts and true crime podcasts. And the same advice is there. Stay sexy and don't get murdered. And I'd really hate to lose some of you to a bad experience. Always put your safety paramount. Make sure that you're taking the proper precautions. If possible, research the person that you're dealing with. If you're plugged into the local scene, ask around. Make sure that they don't already have a bad reputation. And I know that some people, they tend to play on their own. I tend to play on my own. If you spoke to the people in my last city and asked about me, I don't think anybody would really know who I was. So that doesn't always work. However, if possible, get those references. Talk to people they've played with before. Ask around. See if they have a good reputation or a bad reputation. You know, this is 2022. And the same precautions you would take in online dating, you know, that first meeting probably should be in a public place, not on a hike out in the woods. That just seems like a good idea to me. So that first DS encounter, Maybe that should be in a more public setting than at their place if you've never been there before and this is the first time you're meeting them. Those same safety precautions I would give to anybody dating in the modern era, I feel like are true of kink and DS play especially because of the fact that we use restraints and we use impact play and we do things that are a little more extreme than your average vanilla date. You know, of course, things can go bad on a vanilla date. Things can go bad on a kinky date. Most of the time, things are fine. And the worst outcome is you just don't have chemistry. Or for whatever reason, the way that they play just doesn't match up with you right. That's a minor setback that we all have to experience. I just want you to be on guard against possible bad outcomes that can happen if you rush into things a bit too quickly. So doms, be very careful with those new players. New players... Do not hesitate to ask questions and state your concerns and express your limits. And don't feel like because you're the inexperienced one, you don't have the right or the knowledge of the experience to stop everything if you don't feel right. You have that permission. Always put your safety first. Your mental safety, your physical safety, all that. Okay, I'm going to transition now and move into that Q&A session that we recorded when I was in Utah. I think you guys will enjoy it. You get to hear a little interaction between myself and my partners, and it's a very light and easy conversation. 
Hello, and welcome to a very special edition of Wicked Wednesdays. We are on vacation in Utah, and we're having an amazing time. I have the whole little Polly family here. We have Katja and Penny. We're off camera. Say hi, girls. Hi! We have a moose. We have skis. We have a fire. We have a lot of snow. We're having a great time. It is New Year's Eve. And we were watching What's the Safe Word, which is a kind of a new favorite show of ours. And they had an episode where they, it was Ask a Dom Anything. And the lovely ladies here said it would be very much fun if we could do a home version of that game where they got to ask me any question that they wanted, and I had to answer it. Now, point out that as a Dom, I don't know, I don't like being told what to do, but I have decided even though they're using reverse psychology on me, that I will answer these questions. So, our first question from Katja is, What was your first kink experience? What was my first, this is a kink experience? Kink or what experience. was my first doing something kinky, even though I didn't know what kink was? Because those are very different. Okay, both. <laughs> you both, both. One. Okay. What was your first kink experience where you didn't know what kink was? I wrote a story about this, and I think it might even... I haven't recorded it for my Patreon, but I'm going to. Um, when I was younger, I think I was 16-ish. Uh, this is high school age. I was dating somebody, and we were together, and we were being intimate in a house. It was her house. But we had a bunch of friends over, and so there were a lot of people at that house. And so we're doing our thing and we're in the upstairs bedroom and we're making a lot of noise. And in a purely practical sense, I put my hand over her mouth, be quiet. And it wasn't very forceful and it wasn't, you know, very dominant or domineering. I didn't know what those words meant. It was literally practical. And that ended up turning her on a great deal. And the next day she told me, she's like, I really liked that. Um, and I didn't know what she was talking about. She, and she explained that she really liked it when I covered her mouth, that that really turned her on. And again, at this point in my life, I did not know what kink was. I didn't know what alternative sexual practices were. It was literally a practical, you're being too loud, I'm going to make you quiet thing. But it happened to be something that she enjoyed. She also had no idea what kink was. And this is the early 90s. Kink was not as much in the forefront of public consciousness as perhaps it is now. So that little bit of kink play, that little bit of power exchange, that little bit of I'm making you do something or I'm taking control over you, that turned her on. It didn't necessarily turn me on in the moment. Like I didn't get a special thrill out of doing that with her, but I did like that she enjoyed it. So that became part of our play afterwards, even though again, we didn't know we were being kinky. We didn't know we were doing things that were outside the norm of normal sexual practice. What was your first kink experience when you did know what kink you was? You don't get two questions in a row. Next. Okay, so this is kind of like a several part question, but there it's directly related. Like, this is not the goddamn essay. <laughs> no. Can I read it to you and then you can decide? Okay. No. So it's... What attracts you most to a sub in general? And then after you answer that, what first attracted you to Pacha and what first attracted you? I date both kinky, submissive women and very strong-willed, independent peer-to-peer women. 
And so for me, I'm not attracted to somebody because they're submissive. Like that doesn't do it. I know a lot of submissive people that I'm not attracted to and a lot of dominant women that I'm not attracted to. It is very much an individual thing. My attraction to the individual comes before I explore any sort of kink relationship with them. So for me, can I tell somebody is submissive when I first meet them? Usually, yes. However, a lot of submissive people, people that would be classified as submissive or would self-identify as submissive or who don't know they're submissive, but they are in the submissive archetype of people. Can I tell that from a first conversation? Absolutely. It, it comes across to me very clearly. But they may not be kinky. They may not be into sexual role play. They may, be, they may not be into power exchange. So they may be a submissive person, but they may not do any sort of dom-submissive play. So that in and of itself isn't very attractive to me. Someone that is just submissive and pretty and has a good personality, you know, that may be attractive to me. It may not. There are so many gradations of personality and interest and commonality between two people that have to click for me to want to form a relationship with somebody. The submissive aspect of their personality is one factor of a hundred. So, for example, if I'd met Katya and Katya and I got along and we had things in common that we enjoyed and we could have a conversation together and we enjoyed each other's company, but she was a super dominant peer-to-peer -peer type A alpha person, I, that would be fine. It would not bother me. I would still have pursued a relationship with her. So the fact that she was a sub it was very secondary to me. And it wasn't that I was attracted to Katya because she was subby. That was just part of the package. I was attracted to Katya because I like the things about Katya that make Katya. The submissive aspect is one of those things. Penny's a whole different story. <laughs> because my relationship with Penny is very different than my relationship with Katya. So Penny is quite a bit younger than I am. And that has a built-in mentoring aspect to it. Now, it's true that with Katya and I, as her dom, my primary role, my primary responsibility, I feel, is as a mentor. But with Katya, our life experiences are very similar. Katya and I are almost the same age. So I apologize. Katya is forever 39. I'm in my mid-40s. Katya is near enough to me that we have a very similar life experience. So while I am always mentoring Katya, it's in a different way. So with Katya, I may give her tips on, you know, being more adherent to an exercise routine, being more adherent to a diet, being more adherent to tasks she wants to accomplish, more general purpose mentoring, where with when I'm mentoring Penny, sometimes it's very fundamental things. Sometimes it's things I wish I had learned much earlier in my life, conflict resolution, personal interactions how to understand people's motivations, how to understand how to be the kind of person you want to be and not give as much attention to what other people think about you. That was a lesson I didn't learn until my 30s, probably, maybe later, that what other people expect of you, what other people want of you, what other people think you should be, should be the lowest rung on your priority ladder. And I didn't learn that till much later in life. And I want to pass along lessons like that to Penny when she's younger, hopefully that she can 
take that as a stepping stone up to a richer, fuller, better life. So when we meshed, when Penny and I first met and first started talking online, we first started having interactions together, my relationship to her was very mentorship-based. It was very, I want to take you under my wing, and I want to help you and teach you and be there for you, be someone that you can talk to, be a safe space for you, help you navigate this that tricky transition. You know, you're in college, and so much is changing in your life. So many new influences are coming in. So much is being put upon you, where just a couple of years ago, you know, you were a kid and your parents took care of everything. Now you are a full grown adult and all these responsibilities are on your shoulders. And I think our society in general does a poor job of equipping people to become adults. So I enjoyed that role. What it, I think what initially attracted me to Penny wasn't the fact that she's very pretty, she is, wasn't necessarily her submissive nature, though I could tell that she was a submissive. It was this opportunity to help shape, mentor, and mold somebody that I liked and cared about. So that was the initial spark of our relationship. Since then, it's grown significantly. It's not just a mentorship role. I enjoy her company. She is a good friend. She is someone I enjoy talking to. She is very well suited for my personality. You know, she plays well off of me. So that relationship grew, but it grew out of a desire for me to be a mentor. So yeah, a very different relationship. What are the main red flags you avoid in subs? This is not a red flag because for some people, say for example, I'm not, I don't work with brats very much. That's not because brats are bad. Brats don't match with my domination style. So being a brat is not a red flag. Being a brat means you need to find someone that enjoys bratty submissiveness. And there's a lot of people who do. It's just a different style for me. But as it would be a personal red flag in that if I'm working with a sub and it's clear that they really like to be bratty and they really like to press against the rules and poke the bear with a stick and see what happens, it's not a red flag because they're a bad person or it's a bad personality trait. I know that our relationship will not work. It just won't be fulfilling for either of us. I want my rules followed. I want a sub that respects me and understands that I'm trying to help them and I'm trying to better their life and make them a better person, not just a plaything. And that kind of bratty, brat tamer dynamic just isn't how I like to play DS. So that would be a red flag for me. That doesn't mean that that's a bad trait in that sub. There's nothing wrong with brats. They just need to be paired with brat tamers. A more general red flag, and I have spoken this in other podcasts, is not respecting boundaries. You know, it's crucial for a dom to respect a sub's boundaries. You know, as a top-down power exchange, it's important for me as a dom to be very respectful of my sub's boundaries and not push against them or try to break them or see how far we can go before they, you know, are destroyed. That's not good dom behavior. However, as a dom, I do set boundaries for my subs, things that I do not want them to do or personal boundaries for myself, places I don't want them to go or time that I don't want them to intrude on, for example. And if I set limits in a relationship and I say, I'm interested in a relationship with you, however, I can see you two nights a week. That's it. 
no more. That's all the time I have. If I have to, the only way I could see you more than that is to fail in my other responsibilities, which I will never do. I'm always upfront with things like that. I'm always upfront with my limitations as a dom, what I can and can't do. Once a sub has agreed to that, they have to stick with it. And if they keep trying to push those boundaries and they don't respect those boundaries, that's a huge red flag for me. And I will not encourage those relationships to go any further because that's a behavior I found never seems to stop. You, you would correct them and say, hey, I told you, do not call me after 10 o'clock. You keep calling me after 10 o'clock. That's a boundary of mine. Those boundaries just seem to shift. You know, if you manage to train them off of one boundary-breaking behavior, it's like a balloon that squeezes out somewhere else. That's my personal experience. Perhaps other people have had other more productive experiences with people that are kind of habitual line-steppers, habitual boundary-breakers. But that's a huge one for me, is people who don't respect my boundaries, yet expect me, of course, to respect their boundaries. What would your perfect day alone with yourself look like? For <laughs> <laughs> what makes you think it would be different? Well, if it wouldn't, well, then it's fine. Enjoy different things. Yeah. But if it's not different, then it's fine. My perfect day alone. So you get Saturday and you get Sunday. <laughs> My perfect day would be to send you both off to clean and correct all the issues. And I just sit at home with a cigar and a scotch. And I'm all by myself, and I don't have to deal with either one of you hellions. I just, a little. <laughs> <laughs> My perfect day with Katya. We would sleep in. I don't think either Katya or I truly like getting out of bed early. So we would sleep till 10 or 11. Just wake up when we want to wake up. And on this perfect day, the dogs <laughs> and the children's and any other sort of responsibility is not present. There are no dogs waking us up at five o'clock. There's no kid needing breakfast. It was just, just bliss. Quiet, peaceful house <laughs> on a snowy Michigan morning. No responsibilities. It's going to seem strange to me, but something I really don't like is having things I have to do and deadlines. If I have a meeting at six o'clock in the afternoon, it can kind of ruin my whole day. Like my whole day seems to be roadblocked by that meeting at six. Even though I know I have all this time, it's always this looming, um, like I said, it's like a roadblock. I'm driving down the road. I know suddenly the road's going to stop. If I don't have things like that in my day, it's automatically better. So if I wake up and I don't have any obligations for that day, don't have anywhere to be, you know, we might go see a movie. We might not. But if we have tickets for a movie at 10, that in and of itself is a bit of a stressor. It's one of those oh, well, you know, if we were at the park and we're having a good time and there's a band playing and we wanted to go see the lights, uh, we can't, we got that ticket at 10. You know, there's, there's always something about having a fixed deadline for me. That's a little bit stressful. You know, obviously, I live in the modern world and I have a lot of responsibilities and deadlines. Kaja has responsibilities and deadlines. But we get the occasional day where we look at our calendar and there's nothing. So that would be part of it. Nothing on the schedule, free to do whatever we want. I would be very happy if Katya would roll out of bed and make my coffee in just the right way because I'm a very particular dom and a very particular coffee drinker. So she would make my coffee perfectly. She would bring my coffee to me and we would relax. 
I would like to start the morning by relaxing in bed. Kanchi and I have a morning routine that I probably should not describe here on YouTube, but it involves a bit of intimacy. After that very relaxing morning routine, I think I would go downstairs and I would make breakfast because I enjoy making breakfast. You know, I would make us some eggs and perhaps some good French toast. Another round of coffee, of course. Just a very relaxed morning. After that, probably not what you guys were expecting for my perfect day. Just like, I don't think we were expecting just, anything. Yeah, just do it like quick. Like, I can't. It's a perfect day. <laughs> I wake up with coffee, we have sex, and then we go to bed at night. Yeah. <laughs> How I quick mean, do you want this I to be? I don't care. I, I like to hear about it. What gives you Dom Bliss? I do not get Dom. What gives me Dom Bliss? Kancha believes this to be a, a gotcha question somehow. It's really not. <laughs> what gives me Dom Bliss, what makes me happiest as a Dom, is seeing my sub succeed at something they didn't think they could do or that they've been struggling with or just, just seeing them succeed in things. Because with my style of domination, it's a very mentorship style of domination. You know, it's just like if I was a track coach and I was watching one of my athletes break a new record or win a race or succeed in something they've been trying to do. There's a vicarious feeling of pride there. There's a, I helped this person do that. I guided this person. They did it, but I helped them there. And there's a vicarious pride there. So it's very fulfilling and very exciting whenever my subs succeed at anything. It doesn't matter if, you know, they succeed at work and they share that happiness with me. It doesn't matter if they succeed in life, you know, whatever it is, whether it's a large scale success, they get a new job, they get a promotion, they succeed in getting honors at school, whatever that is, I feel great pride and success in that. Or if it's a small task that I've given them and they fail that many times, but eventually they master it. And just seeing that sense of accomplishment and elation in them, that's one of the best parts about being a dom. The way I do domination is I can come up with lots of these little tasks, which gives my subs lots of little opportunities in life to succeed in ways that they would normally not have that ability. It could be everything from this basket of laundry was folded perfectly which in normal life would be a very ho-hum, who-cares situation. If you add some stakes to it and you play it as a domination and submission game, that basket of perfectly folded laundry could be the biggest success of a month. And it could require a dinner and a reward and a present and a little celebration. And that's part of the fun of doing DS, is you can create and enhance life in ways that go above and beyond the daily mill routine. So it's very simple. For me, being a dom, the greatest bliss, the greatest joy I take out of it is watching my subs succeed, watching them get better, watching them advance, watching them take pride in themselves. I love that. What are your favorite acts of personal service? That I am doing or that no, I am that you're receiving. This is a trick question. <laughs> Here's why. I don't care. It doesn't matter what the individual act is. It doesn't matter if it's taking my shoes off or bringing me perfect coffee or arranging my bookshelf for me so that I don't have to alphabetize it. The act itself doesn't matter. 
I don't have a personal favorite. My personal favorite act of service is the one that's done voluntarily with enthusiasm and devotion. So if I have to tell myself, take my shoes off, while it is gratifying and fulfilling for them to do that immediately without question, for them to voluntarily do it without having to be reminded and clearly doing it as a sign of devotion and something that's clear that they enjoy. So there's the other key. I can force someone to do anything, but in order for someone to do an act of service for you and they do it voluntarily with enthusiasm, that's a whole nother level. So when I can see that not only are they taking my boots off, not only did I not have to remind them, but it's clear that they're enjoying this act of service and they're doing it because they want to serve, not because they want to avoid punishment, not because they know it, they, it's their job and they have to do it, but because they truly enjoy it. They want to give this act of service. That is my personal favorite. So it doesn't matter what it is. It can be the smallest thing in the world, bringing me a napkin. If it's done with enthusiasm, enjoyment, I love that. All the way up to huge acts of service, Again, if I have to drive a sub, if I have to remind them and force them to do something, the action gets done, but I take no fulfillment and joy out of it. But when it's clear that I'm not dragging them along, but I'm simply guiding them, that is what I find enjoyable. What do you think about when you come? <laughs> so I'm going to say this question came from Katja. I don't, I don't know who wrote these questions. They're alternating. The reason I'm going to say this came from Katja is when Katja comes, she frequently uses fantasy to get her over the edge. And she likes to share those fantasies with me, which I enjoy. But I think she's falling prey to that classic human fallacy of assuming that everyone is like we are and that everyone does that when they come. And I don't. For me, if I'm, especially if I'm with somebody, I'm not thinking about anything besides what I'm actually doing. I'm not fantasizing of a different situation. So, yeah, it's, it's not like I have a go-to hot memory that makes me have an orgasm or helps me have an orgasm. It has to be the immediate stimulation that I'm involved with. Otherwise, I will not have an orgasm. I guess I don't have the power of invention in my imagination to imagine something hot enough to help me orgasm. I know that... When I was younger, before internet porn was a thing, I think I had a much richer fantasy life in my head. And I did use imagination to help to masturbate and to have orgasms. I don't know if I could do it. I have a difficult time orgasming anyway. I have some medical issues that make that difficult. But I don't know if I could imagine myself into an orgasm with masturbation. I don't think I could. I would need some sort of stimulation. Maybe I'm addicted to the devil pornography, if only someone would do something about this horrible scourge. What does it feel like in a serious session when you have a subside in your hands? Ooh. Yeah, I, I think people don't take it seriously enough a lot of the times. In a lot of play, the stakes are very low. If someone is kneeling on your bed and you're spanking them, they are probably not in any sort of danger. That's safe to say. Now, people have aneurysms and strokes and sudden heart attacks and all kinds of things that happen normally. You could be having dinner with someone and that could happen. But often in kink play, we are placing each other in dangerous situations, sometimes without knowing just how dangerous they are. So bondage is one of those situations. 
some bondage is very safe and very light and very unlikely to cause any injury. Some forms of bondage, there's a much greater risk of injury and much greater risk of some sort of negative outcome. So that's one way you might be endangering somebody. If you're using suspension bondage, especially, you know, if you're, if you're bound and you're suspended and you fall, that could be very serious. So that's one thing that people need to take very seriously. And, and in my experience, riggers are very safety conscious. They're kind of the safety marshals of kink and BDSM. If you've ever done any suspension bondage with people, you tend to get kind of very safety conscious, heavily rules oriented. You know, the bolts have to be three eighths of an inch and done into a stud in this fashion with two safety supports. And, and I applaud that. that, that is very smart but that tends to be the safety conscious side of BDSM because it is so very dangerous. When you're doing things like latex play, for example, especially like latex tables where someone's completely enveloped and then vacuum is applied and they're kind of vacuum sealed to that table, obviously they need to have an airway, but even with an airway, they can still asphyxiate. They can still not be able to get enough breathing space and airway and diaphragm motion to breathe. So that has to be monitored very carefully. So that's setting up the question, how do I feel if I'm doing a scene where I have someone's life in my hands? I certainly take it seriously, but the way that I play, it's a shame that you've asked this question and that I promised to answer it because I am <laughs> pulling back the curtain on the great and wonderful laws of it. Neither one of you have ever been any danger. So there's the key. I want my subs to feel like they're in danger and feel like the stakes are very high and feel very threatened, but I don't have any interest in really placing them in dangerous situations. So I kind of, I specialize in raising the stakes in ways that feel very real to the sub, but in actuality, they're in no danger whatsoever. I don't like to place subs in very dangerous situations because I play so frequently with so many different people and I feel I can get the same amount of stimulation for the sub without actually endangering their life. The one aspect where I do come close to danger, I can't actually talk about here on YouTube, but we will have a Patreon-only special, or perhaps, no, it will have to be Patreon-only special. We're going to have a special um, podcast about that very taboo form of play, which is dangerous, but not as dangerous as people think it is. Sorry to beat around the bush, but YouTube is very sensitive on that subject. What are you going to do us at midnight? I'm going to f*** you both. Yeah? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, I'm really? It is really how you feel? And that's it for my, my subs. I'm very disappointed in that. <laughs> we created a new superhero on this particular ski trip called Dadman. And Dadman has a catchphrase, which is... I'm not angry with you. I'm just very disappointed. No. I go to your room. <laughs> Are you saying that there's only one room and you can only be in? Yeah. <laughs> you see the sass I put up? You see what I'm dealing with America? I will jump out. I'll jump off. Go on, Kenny. Land in a giant snow puff. <laughs> All right, let me wrap this up. So that will wrap up part one of our Q and A session with Kaja and Penny. Hope you guys enjoyed this special podcast. It was a lot of fun to do. I hope there was some revealing and some new information. And it was a lot of fun on this end. 
there will be more podcasts of this type because of course I have more personnel in the studio now. So look forward to more Katja. Look forward to the occasional Penny semi-interview drop-in. She's a very small, quiet little person. So I will see you guys next week. I'll be back from vacation. I do have to make the second leg of my move. So the bad news is I'm going to be moving and traveling again, so I might miss another podcast. I will try to do an informal one like this. Perhaps we'll have time to record another one of these little Q&As that I can drop the week after. Stay safe out there. Take very good care of each other. And I'll see you next week.